2 Timothy chapter 3, and I will begin reading at verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. May the Lord add his richest blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. We have been doing a series on the value of different aspects within the church. We have looked, for example, at the value of biblical doctrine. We've looked all of these. If you have not been here and you would like to find them, they are actually recorded and they are available on our website at sermonaudio.com backslash Yellowstone Baptist. I encourage you to go through the entire series there. Last week we looked at the value of biblical marriage. Today I believe that it is important for us to consider the value of biblical authority. You see, there are a lot of so-called authorities that are within the world today, and we're going to look at some of those this morning before we proceed with the main part of the message. Within evangelicalism, though, there has always been a battle that rages for the hearts and minds of those who attend church. You and I, pretty much on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. Those who, there are those who attend church, there are those who don't attend church. By the way, somebody was actually asking me between the Sunday school and the Sunday morning service about the church and, and the relationship of Christ to his bride. And I believe that it's important that you understand that we as a local Baptistic Baptist congregation, that what we believe is that the scriptures show that we are called to serve the Lord together, to worship him, and to do so in a local church setting. Now, we do believe in the church in prospect. We do believe that universally that every true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ from all the ages will one day gather together and we will stand before the throne and we will worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, we will find that God works through the local church. He works with us to be able to come together for the purposes of hearing the ministry of the word, for partaking of communion and seeing baptism on a regular basis. The Bible doesn't know anything about an unchurched Christian. I know that with the last couple of years especially that COVID has taken a lot of churches and there are a lot of churches that have closed and there are a lot of people yet who have still not yet gone back to church to worship together. Turning the internet on is not church. Now it can be a ministry of church, but together we are to minister and we do have some folks maybe who are shut in. We've got some shut-ins here at Yellowstone Baptist and they are able to tune in online and and together we are able to minister the gospel to them, to, to be able to encourage them in their walk and in their faith. But if you are able-bodied, I believe that God calls us to be able to come together in a church setting so that we might serve him together and to point to what is to come, and that is eternity when we will all worship together around the throne of God. But within evangelicalism over the last 100 years or so, the church has fought many battles. There was a time when the main battle that you might hear on a Sunday morning would be the debate between creation and evolutionism. Believe it or not, 
Biblical inerrancy, that simply means, are the scriptures valid? Are they without error? Are they, is there any fault within the Bible? Lordship salvation. Calvinism versus Arminianism. Bible versions. Eschatology. Debates over when the rapture will or will not take place. And a wide host of other doctrines. Now, I want to say this morning that I believe that there are some battles that are worth fighting. But at the end of the day, there are some battles that just are not. We're going to agree to disagree on some things until probably we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we find out what actually is the complete truth. I believe, though, that sometimes the hills that we choose to take a stand on can reveal character flaws and tradition instead of revealing the Christ of Scripture, though. And if we're not careful, we can debate to the point where, as my dad often said down through the years, he said, son, your position may be right, but if your disposition is wrong, your position is also wrong. And I believe that is true. I believe that when we come to the scriptures, we must remember that we are called to live in humility and to be humbled before the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, as we have said, it is he who will hold us fast. It is he who keeps us. It is he who saves us. It is he who redeems our life from destruction. Psalm 103. These arguments normally begin, though, in the halls of academia and then quickly filter to the pulpits and then to the pews. And too often, I believe that there are many who have been serving in positions of being a professor or being a pastor, and they begin to cater to what they think people want to hear instead of what they need to hear. You see, there are a lot of churches that you could go to, and there's, it's no coincidence that you are here today under the ministry of God's Word. And it is important that when a minister stands, and as I stand before you, I don't need to tell you what I think. I need to tell you what the Scripture says and what we know about God's Word. A person who stands and proclaims to be a messenger of the Most High God had better be sure that what he is saying is the Word of God, not his opinion or traditions. And then those in the pew simply accept what learned seminarians want them to believe instead of being Berean Christians and studying for themselves. I've shared with you before one of the previous churches that I served at several years ago now in California. We had six men who served together as elders and two of those men openly admitted that they had never opened a Bible once in their entire life. And yet were elders within the church. The previous battle for the hearts of true believers, the major battle that we found was the battle of inerrancy back in the 70s and 80s. Some of you may remember that battle. And this pitted everything from science to archaeology to ancient languages against those who believe that the Bible is without error. And just as we have said before, what do you think of Christ? We have to ask you the question this morning. What do you think of God's word? Is it really God's word or is it just a bunch of man-made words? Today, battles still rage. Battles still rage within evangelicalism. But the war has been ramped up and, and now it's more reminiscent of life in the Garden of Eden. 
You see, Satan comes to Eve in the garden and he begins to put doubts in her mind. Has God really said that? Did God really say you shall not touch the fruit or you will die? No, God didn't say that. And of course, we're not given the entire story, but it's quite possible that maybe Eve contemplates this over and over in her mind. Maybe it is that Adam didn't relay the message correctly or that he added that so that she wouldn't touch it and there wouldn't be a chance. Either way, she reaches out and eventually touches the fruit. And of course, we know the end result. Physical death and spiritual death came upon all people. Has God really said that? The world at large automatically doubts God. It doubts the truth of the Bible. But now pastors and Bible colleges are arguing over whether or not God actually said something. And what do the people in the pew, what, what, what can you expect? What do you actually believe in regards to what the scripture says? And maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I've never read it. I think if we were to take a poll this morning, we would probably find that there are some of you, probably maybe even a good percentage of you who have never read the entire scriptures from Genesis chapter 1 through Revelation chapter 22. There's no time like the present to actually start though. To actually read God's word and find out what he has to say. You see, a lot of people, I, I, I am amazed. I, I, I really am, Brother Jerry. At the number of people who say, well, God told me and yet have never read their Bible to find out actually what God did tell you in the first place. What does God have to say to you? Second uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says that the scriptures are good for all that pertains to life and godliness. So it is either all good or we pick and choose. We cherry pick the parts that we like and the parts that we don't. We can just take a pair of scissors and we can end up with a Reader's Digest edition of the Bible. Does anybody remember when Reader's Digest came out with a version? It removed 65% of the Old Testament and 30-something percent of the New. And they still want to call it the Bible. Has God really said that? If he did, and here's the question I want you to ponder... If God really did say something, then surely, surely he didn't mean what he said, did he? Or did he? After all, I mean, this is the 21st century, Brother Mark. I mean, shouldn't we have to adapt our, our culture and, and, and adapt our beliefs and adapt our doctrines to be able to suit the woke culture of today? I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the book of Second Opinions that it says that we must conform to whatever century we live in. Otherwise, the Bible will no longer be credible. No, the Bible is credible. The Bible, as Psalm 119 says, your word, O Lord, is settled forever in heaven. This Bible right here does not and will not change. It doesn't matter what laws are passed. It doesn't matter what the UN has to say about it. It doesn't matter what any other non-government organization or government organization. It doesn't matter what churches have to say. 
It doesn't matter what pastors have to say. If they don't agree with God's word, they're wrong. Now, there are, there are a lot of bumper stickers that used to be very popular. There are not too many people that have bumper stickers anymore. But I remember one that used to be very popular in my younger years. And it was, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But that's not a biblical statement. You won't find that anywhere in Scripture. What you will find is, God says, this is my word, obey it. That settles it. And that's important that you and I learn to go to God's word. If you've got a problem in your life, if you've got a struggle in your marriage, or if you've got a struggle with your kids, or if you've got a struggle at work, go to God's word. The answer is there for you and I. Amen? If the answer is not there, then why are you here this morning? Why am I here? Why is it that, that, that we will go and, and we will go and read? Anybody here remember Ann Landers? I'm going to really date myself. Ann Landers? You know that wasn't really her name. We won't go there. Ann Landers. You know, I, I, can, I can remember being in churches, and we were in one church in particular years ago. And some of, the, some of the people were talking in the Sunday school class and they said, well, you know, before I get up, before I, even before I come to church on Sunday, I make sure I read my horoscopes and Ann Landers before I come to church. Seriously? You see, the problem is that they have not come to the point where they recognize the authority of Scripture. So we posed the question last week, is Jesus God or was he a total fraud in regards to dealing with marriage? This week we follow up by asking a related question. If Jesus was God and if he was who he claimed to be, then the Bible must be what it claims to be and that is the word of God. Do we believe that or not? Sadly, there are many who claim the name of Christ and they flounder through life because they don't believe what the Bible says about itself. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and if you maybe you're, you're getting ready to tune me out, maybe you already have and I hope that you will tune back in just for a moment to hear this. There are some here this morning that I believe you are living trapped or enslaved to your sin. And yet we'll sing power in the blood. There is wonder working power. We will sing Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And yet we'll still live in the sin that Jesus paid for on the cross. There are some who used to be in church or no longer attend or consider it unimportant. And they will read the book of Ephesians and they'll ignore the high value that Christ places on his bride. A, a high value that he has placed on them from eternity past. And yet we'll ignore scripture. So what is biblical authority? The Bible, in a nutshell... The Bible is the sole authority on every topic it covers. We can stop right there. We won't. So don't, don't, go, don't go anywhere. Don't pack your bags up yet. Every 
topic it covers. Now, there are times within our lives, for example, I can remember going off to Bible college years ago, and we used to hear this, the Bible is good for everything, everything you need, it'll be in there. And so we'd go in there and we would try to make all kinds of, of, of we would take the Bible and mash it all up in, into all kinds of contorted puzzles and anagrams and, and numerology and all kinds of stuff to be able to determine who it was we were supposed to marry. And then we pray, Lord, your will be done and, and show me who it's supposed to be. And so we go out and look up in the clouds and, and hopefully that God would just have her name written up there and the clouds. But it doesn't work that way. What about within your life? Are there any struggles that you have in your life that you don't know or that you are not sure that you have an answer for? We were talking about that this morning. Do you realize that there was a time when if there was marriage counseling or if there was drug counseling or if there was any struggles that a person had that, that a pastor's week could be completely filled with the amount of counseling that he would do in a week? Those days are long gone, unfortunately. Because a lot of people, and it may be that some of you have been there before as well, instead of coming to find out what God's Word has to say, we're going to somebody who's sitting behind the desk who has the DSM-5 for a Bible. The DSM-5 is, 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 the, is the Bible for psychology and psychiatry. That's not the answer. The answer is not going to somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear or what you, yeah, what you want to hear to be able to feel good about yourself. I want to remind you what the authority of God's word does. God's word takes a man who is lost in sin, who is depraved and, and who is an absolute wretch, who is a worm before God. And God sets his love upon that person and he brings them to salvation. He keeps that person. He sanctifies them. And one day he is going to glorify them and he is going to take them to be with him forever. He will take that ungodly wretch and he will make a godly man out of him. He will take an ungodly woman and he will make a godly woman out of her. He will take ungodly children, rebellious children, and he will make them children fit for the master's use. You see, this is what biblical authority means. It means that if we have a problem, we go to God's word. We're not going to the horoscopes. We're not going to Ann Landers. We're not going to the media. We're not going to Hollywood. We're not going to the local bookstore to pick up most of the fluff that they sell really cheaply. Oh, if only it were so, Brother Diego. What you shared this morning, the number of Bibles that are printed here in America. Oh, if more people, instead of going and picking up books, would be picking up their Bibles, it would make a difference. Because I know, based on the authority of God's Word, not based on my feelings, not based on my emotions, but God's Word changes lives. Period. What is the final authority? Well, some people believe it's historical church teachings. There are some, the Catholic Church, even some within Protestant denominations, and, and they put confessions and creeds and traditions above the Bible. Uh, I've been in churches in the past where they recited creeds, and they recited this creed and that creed and this tradition and, and this little statement that they had on the wall and never once opened their Bible during a service. 
Are historical church teachings wrong? Well, I believe some of them are. Can we learn from church teachings from the past? Yes, we can. But only as long as it does not supersede the Word of God. If we were to draw, if we were to draw a little picture, what we're talking about here is that there are some who take church, church traditions and teachings and creeds and they place it above the Bible. Some place it beside the Bible. We should have the Bible above everything. There are some, secondly, who have unbiblical teachings. There's not just historical church teachings that are considered as a final authority, but some unbiblical teachings are the writings of a person. For example, the Mormon church or the LDS, L. Ron Hubbard and the non-Church of Scientology, which is neither church nor science. Mary Baker Eddy and the Christian Science Movement, which again is neither Christian nor is it science. But there are many people that put a lot of faith in these things. And we don't hate these individuals when they come to our door. We don't hate these individuals when we find people who are involved in these churches or are involved in these cults. We simply seek to tell them the truth of God's word, that God redeems, God can free you from the fear of whatever religion it is that you have in your life. You see, my friend, there is a difference between religion and salvation. Religion is man-made and it's whatever parts of God that you want to pick and choose that you might or might not like, whereas true salvation comes only from God. What about experiences or feelings? Is that a good final authority? Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, T.D. Jakes, and others within the charismatic movement. These are people who are leading others astray These are people who are out for their own monetary gain. And I feel sorry there. I have some family members who are, (coughs) excuse me, that that are still trapped within this movement. And I can remember even my grandfather before he passed away. My grandfather was 81 when he passed. And one day he might feel saved and the next he would be sad and brokenhearted because he wasn't sure that he was saved and that God was going to take him to heaven when he died. If you base your salvation or your life as a Christian on what you experience or what you feel, you are going to sadly be lost on a path that sometimes has no coming back from. Do you remember, if those of you who have read Pilgrim's Progress, do you remember what happened with Christian? He takes a look and he sees a greener pasture just on the other side of the fence. And instead of following the road that is hard, instead of following the straight and narrow path, Pilgrim crosses over and he takes somebody with him and they begin to walk on the softer grass. And for a while it's easy on the feet, and, but before long they find themselves sitting in chains in Doubting Castle, being beaten by the giant of despair. My friends, I can assure you again, based on the authority of God's word, that if you are trusting in your experiences or in your feelings, there are going to be times when you're going to feel lost. There are going to be times when you don't feel like a Christian. 
And there are going to be times that the evil one or his minions are going to come and they are going to assault your mind and they're going to have you doubt. And what you're really doubting is God. What does the Bible say about itself? Point number two. Listen to some of these things that God declares from his own word. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 and verse 9. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Could you imagine being Jeremiah? I mean, being willing to be a messenger of the Most High God and going and saying, now, listen guys, I just read Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people and I just want to tell you a good thing or two. No. Jeremiah says, Now the word of the Lord came to me and he said this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put words in your mouth. Being a messenger, being a minister of the gospel is a high calling. It is a sobering calling. When I minister, I have to stand up and I have to make sure that the words that I am proclaiming to you, number one, firstly and foremost, are the words of God. And what I do share with you, I have to look at my own heart and my own life and say, Lord, what areas in my life need to be changed? We find not only are they called the words of God, and this is just a small taste of what God says about his own word, but the commands of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things that I am writing to you, this is speaking about Paul, are a command of the Lord. So therefore, and there are a lot of churches, believe it or not, even within evangelicalism that will never preach out of Paul's gospels or anything after the book of Acts. Oh, we don't like that Paul because he's just a male chauvinist. So when it comes to dealing with marriage, for example, well, we'll just put that part aside because that's not really from God. That's not really infallible. No. Paul is clear in 1 Corinthians 14, 37 by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the things that he was writing were a command of the Lord. So that means when we look back at last week's message in Ephesians chapter 5 where we are called as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church, that's either a command from God or it's just a good idea. Revealed by God, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. You can travel far and wide in this world and you will find a multitude, a multiplicity of religions, a multiplicity of gods. I don't know if you noticed, but when, when we put up the different countries, uh, there, there are times we show you how many people groups or how many different languages are found in that one country. I have been absolutely surprised at some of the countries that I've read about. I mean, you, you think about France, for example. I mean, everybody obviously speaks French. I mean, they live in France, right? Well, that's what you would think. 
only to find out that there's like 37 different languages and 47 people groups in France alone. But I can tell you this, that you can go, whether it was in Liberia where we served as missionaries, if you went down to Paraguay, if you went to Mexico, if you went to maybe some of the other countries that some of you folks have been able to visit, you will find the same thing. Man is totally depraved. Man, apart from God, is lost and on his way to a Christless eternity. But on the other side of that is the truth that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And because Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, we have the right and the obligation to be able to tell the world that Jesus lives. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, we find this, the scripture says about itself, and we also thank God constantly for this, so that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Do we really believe that we can change on our own? Do we really believe that we can just work up that these feelings about feeling good about ourselves, and then one day when persecution comes, be willing to face our persecutors, to face tribulation, to face trials, and say, Lord, by life or by death, I belong to you. People are willing to die for a cause. I mean, look at the Muslim faith. They're willing to die so that they can have 70 virgins on the other side. But every religion will teach you that you do something in order to be able to get something. The difference with biblical Christianity is Jesus Christ has already done it all. And He is the one that is in work, at work in you today. If you are changing as a Christian, as a believer, it is because of God. If you are not changing this morning, if you are the same as you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whenever it was, if, if your claim to, to faith is because you prayed a little prayer and you went down and shook the preacher's hand and joined a church somewhere, the Bible says that you are going to hear those words, those awful words. In Matthew chapter 24, one day Jesus is going to say to you, depart from me for I never knew you. It's not say, about saying a prayer. It's not about joining a church. It's not about being sprinkled or being baptized. It's not about partaking of communion. If we stand before God and He asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? What is your answer going to be? And if your answer has anything to do with you, me, I, or myself, you're never going to gain entry into heaven. We need to be willing to stand like the tax collector did in the temple, standing far off in the corner as he smote upon his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have you ever cried out to God for mercy like that? God, forgive me for all the things that I have done to separate, not, not, not being concerned about your spouse, not being concerned about your children, not being concerned about your grandchildren or your grandparents or because they were good faithful attenders 
or because of the things that you've done in the church. I can remember we were in England and, and there was one lady there and we were talking and I had the opportunity. She was a member, long-standing member of the church. And I asked her the same question. I said, did you ever come to, have you ever come to the point where you recognized under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you were a sinner? Boy, and she stood up straight and she said, how dare you? I've never been a sinner my whole life. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And if you were not a sinner to begin with, then Jesus hasn't saved you today. But again, based on the authority of God's word, I can tell you that the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Call upon him. Whosoever comes and drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again, Jesus told the woman at the well. And what does she do? She gets up, she leaves her pot behind in the middle of the day and she goes into the town and she's hollering at everybody that will listen to her. Come tell me a man who told me everything that I ever did. Jesus didn't tell her everything she had ever done. He simply told her, you're a sinner and you need me. That's the way we come to salvation. Recognizing what Jesus Christ has done and if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we would be headed for a Christless eternity. We find also that the scriptures say of themselves, we read in our text from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture, not the parts we like. And 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 tells us that holy men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost who gave them the words that they were to share. Yes, what a phenomenal book. I mean, think about it. Over 1,600 years to write. Over 40 different authors. Two different books. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And yet there is a common theme that goes through every single book. From Genesis chapter 1, we find in the beginning God. We get all the way through to the beloved Apostle John as he is on the Isle of Patmos writing in the book of Revelation. And he says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. From beginning to end, it is about Jesus Christ. And this is his love letter to you. I encourage you to read it. Love it. Study it. Examine it. And then ask God to change your heart and mind and our minds in the areas where we need to be changed. Finally, as we spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ last week, in leading up or giving us an illustration of where he stood in regards to one man and one woman for a biblical marriage, I want us to consider finally Christ on the Bible's authority. Look with me at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 35. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, scripture cannot be broken. Doesn't matter what the 24th century says. 
It doesn't matter if the Lord does not return and all time comes to an end. It doesn't matter if it happens today, tomorrow, or whether it's a thousand years from now. One day, Lord willing, God and his word tells us that there will always be a remnant unto himself. America, all the countries that are in the world that exist right now, they they may not be here 100 years from now. They may not be here 50 years from now. But one thing that we do know from Scripture is this. God's word will still remain true. God will still be sovereign. He will still be sitting on the throne no matter who's president or who's king. The Scripture cannot be broken. If we could take a time travel and we could go back and listen to a minister, whether it's Jonathan Edwards or John Wesley or Charles Spurgeon or whoever it is, or the Apostle Paul or the disciples as they're going around through the streets of Jerusalem and they're proclaiming the gospel, I believe that they would be proclaiming the same gospel that you are hearing today. Come to Jesus Christ. A thousand years from now, it's going to be the same message. It's not going to change. And we know this because of the authority of the Bible. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And verse 18. For truly I say to you, until earth and heaven pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. This Bible will remain God's word. It will always be God's word. I would encourage you again, and I mentioned, made mention this in regards to emotions and feelings. If you want to know what God has to say to you, then you need to read his word. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, then listen to it on audio tape. It's the same scripture. But you know, I am so, I am so sad. It's, it's one of the, the, the biggest grievances that I have within ministry is that so many people, as we share from the word of God and we tell them, yes, this is what God has to say about your particular problem. And they say, no, I don't want to hear that. The Bible's not going to change. It's the heart of man that changes. It becomes more and more vile and wicked and separate from God apart from Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus Christ submitted to the authority of Scripture? Galatians chapter 4, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. When Jesus Christ came, He lived in obedience to His parents. Luke chapter 2 verse 51, He grew in wisdom and stature. Matthew chapter 4, for the sake of time, we won't read this, but chapters one, or chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we find that when he was tempted by Satan, what did he say every time? It is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. And it was... <coughs> excuse me, the Lord Jesus Christ himself... Turn with me to one last passage in John chapter 14. John 
you know, we have a blessing in America that we've got the scriptures. We've got all the scriptures. This one man who's on the back, a pastor who for many years didn't even have a copy of the New Testament. Now he has a copy of the New Testament. I'll bet you it's probably the most loved possession in his house. They say on average right now there is one Bible in China for every 1,000 Christians. One Bible. We're going to have to show a video at some point about the Chinese believers, a group of Chinese believers who are receiving a Bible for the very first time. It would put us to shame on how little we think of God's Word. And it's not just that we have it so that we can hug it and squeeze it and we can smell the leather or smell the pages. It's so that the words of God would change us from the inside out. Listen to John 14, verse 26. The Lord Jesus Christ speaking here. He tells his disciples, disciples, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us in all truth. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals when we read the word of God. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is revealing to you and he, said, he is either telling you what Brother Mark is saying this morning is truth or it's not. And if it is truth and it is from God's word, then we have an obligation to obey it, to follow it. The Bible is truly the sole authority for the life of believers, then we must strive daily for change. Strive daily to, to change our lives based on the principles that are found in the Scriptures. The only manual that will change your life and mine, the only manual that will make a difference is the Bible. I can tell you right now, we just put a new constitution together and a new doctrinal statement that has been added. If that or any other document ever becomes to the point where it supersedes the word of God at Yellowstone Baptist Church, we might as well close the doors because we will be nothing more than a social religious club. This has to be first and foremost. We talked recently about elders and deacons and, 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 and if, if we have, as we select elders and deacons over time, this better be the primary book in your life, men. When it comes to your marriage, you want your marriage to last, you make God's word primary. Men, be godly men. Women, be godly women. Believers, don't just be a Christian in name only, but if God has saved you, He has redeemed you from amongst the children of men, then stand up. Quit you like men, as 1 Corinthians says. Stand strong in the word of God. Stand firm in the faith that was once delivered to the saints and be ready, as Peter concludes, always 
to give an answer to everyone that asks you of the reason of the hope that is within us with meekness and fear. We read Judas the benediction a couple of Sundays ago. Some saved by fire, pulling them out of the fire, even their garments spotted by the flesh. Why? I stand before you this morning and I do so based on the authority of God's word. My friends, I'm dispensable. So are you. We could find ourselves in the grave by the end of this next week. And we don't like thinking about death. But as we shared this morning in the prayer time, if you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing that should cause you any fear, not even death. Death is a promotion to be able to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, to see Him in all His glory, to see Him without these sin-tainted eyes that we have. What a joy. What a privilege that will be ours to be able to sing hallelujah to the Lamb who was slain from before the foundations of the world. Amen. Let's pray. As our prayer, I would like to read Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. Your law, O Lord, is perfect, reviving the soul. Your testimony, O Lord, is sure, making wise the simple. Your precepts, O Lord, are right, rejoicing the heart. Your commandment, O Lord, is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of you, O Lord, is clean, enduring forever. Your rules, O Lord, are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, O Lord, your servant is being warned today. But, O Lord, in keeping them there is great reward. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You, O Lord, are my rock and my redeemer. And all God's people said,